Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Hello and welcome to Sporting Goss on a wet, windy, cold Wednesday. Things are certainly hot in the east. The big news you would have heard throughout the morning on SEN and SEN Track and, of course, on all the news is that Nathan Buckley will depart the scene after Monday's game against, of course, Melbourne. It is big news. It doesn't come as a huge shock in a moment. We'll head to Melbourne and catch up with Drew Jones. Drew Jones will join us a little later in this half hour where he was at the press conference and he's been across it. He's been a very busy boy here this morning but uh, in Melbourne, but we will check in with Drew Jones. Uh, plenty to come on the show, of course. Ash Prescott, Cam Shepard, Trevor Gleeson. So we'll preview the waffle game of the round which is Claremont and Peel Thunder taking place at Claremont Oval or Revo Fitness Stadium on the weekend. Trevor Gleeson gets prepared to go into battle for the Perth Wildcats without, of course, without Bryce Cotton. He will join us as well. Simon Miller, leading trainer, has got five runners today across the road at Belmont Park. A wet old day. If you're heading across there, wear your galoshes. He'll join us and give us a winner or three. He's normally very, very good with his winners, so get your pen and paper ready. Don't go anywhere. And today's Who Am I? This is a footy guessing competition of which you just text us. 0487 736 736. And I give you a couple of hints. And your hints today are I wore three different numbers in my first Three years with my first club. I am a premiership player and I finished playing with a Victorian club. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a WA player or a player with the Fremantle or West Coast. It could be. It could be. But it might not be. Your hints today... Where's the hint music? I need that hint music. That was good. I wore three different numbers in my first three years of football with the same club. I played in the Premiership and I finished by playing in Victoria. 0487 736 736. What's our prize today? Nothing. Fresh air, nothing. But the satisfaction. Caro, Fremantle, got it yesterday with Heath Black. Well done, Caro. You could be the first. Morning show. 
Morning, Tim. Great show. First of all, hats off to Neil Denneher. What an inspiration he was. If anyone watched that last night on AFL 360, should be Australian of the Year. Make uh, you realise life isn't too bad. Also, what's your take on Carlton? Do they think they'll clean out the coaches and players? Yes, they will. SPS may be coming back to WA. Yes, Sam Petrovsky seat, and that's not new. Uh, that's been uh, bubbling along for a little while. Cripps still not signed yet. Is this a concern for Carlton? Well, he sort of intimated that he wants to stay. Thanks, Mike. Mike of Palmyra. 0487 736 736. Your hints for the who am I? No prize. Just the pride of being right. I wore three different numbers in my first three years with my first club. I'm a premiership player and I ended up playing with a Victorian club. Dean of Riverton tried with Ben Cousins. No can do. No can do. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. There you go. Thank you. I wore three different numbers for my first three years at my first club and I finished playing with a Victorian club and I'm a premiership player. Let us know. 0487 736 736. Who am I? No prize competition today. Nathan Buckley has addressed the media. It was the world's longest press conference, the world's longest Q&A from the media. It's big news. Nathan Buckley will coach his last game for Collingwood on Monday. This is how it all unfolded. This is his statement, the outgoing coach of Collingwood. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a brief statement and then, as um, as Mark said, happy to, to take any questions. Uh, when I spoke to the, the program uh, about an hour ago, um, the overwhelming message that I had was uh, one of gratitude. Um, I feel like uh, I've been blessed to be a part of this football club over a, a large period of time. I, I walked into it as a... Um, as a 21-year-old in November 1993 down at Vic Park, um, I said to, to the guys this morning that Tony Shaw took me under his wing and, and taught me how to go about um, making the most of my opportunities as a footballer. Um, but in the journey that I've um, shared with Collingwood since, it's been um, the lessons have been far more um, deep and broad than just um, being a good footballer. Um, uh, I really uh, have a great passion for this place, um, the people within it uh, and the people that we represent. Um, and I've always felt that I've given my all to the, the multiple uh, roles that I've played at the club over the last sort of 28 years. And uh, it's, uh, it, is, it is a bit sad to, um, to understand that that'll be... Um, yeah, coming to an end on Monday. Uh, I'm looking forward to the week's preparation. I'm looking forward to seeing you know, what we can do against a side that's playing some pretty good footy. Um, I'll have my head down and uh, and want to um, give uh, our people, our players um, and our staff and our members uh, the best chance of feeling that success in the short term. So, um, so I'll go back to that pretty much straight away. Um, but I... Um, as the guys have said, and as we will detail for you, uh, the discussions have been open. They've been, you know, really, uh, really focused on what's what's best for the club now and going forward. Um, yeah, we we haven't uh, performed the way we would have liked to at the, the early stage of this season. Um, and I've um, I've had nine and a half years at the helm after two years as an assistant coach in in uh, 2010 and 11. 
So I've had a fair crack at it. Um, and everyone has its time. Every relationship, every person has their time. And, and mine has come. Um, I'm really content with um, the decision that has been reached. Um, and, and I'm pretty confident the club will be um, in really good shape going forward. Uh, the fundamentals are pretty sound. But uh, I'd like to thank um, everyone um, everyone that's uh, assisted me and helped me along the way. I've got so much gratitude uh, for the people that I've met along the journey, um, for the, the way that they have supported me. And I really do feel like I've got the, the better end of the, uh, the bargain. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the role that the club has played in my life and all the people within it. Um, it's definitely shaped the person I am. Um, and now I'll uh, go into the blue skies of, uh, of whatever the rest of my life looks like. And, um, and I've, got, um, I've got two young men in uh, Jed and Ace to, to put all of my focus into and um, be the best that I can and, and then get on with uh, living uh, the best life I can beyond that. But it will always be with, uh, with the... Um, yeah, with, as a Collingwood supporter and, and looking from outside in and, and wishing uh, that the club does its best and um, and is prospering uh, at, at, any, at any opportunity. So that's, um, that's where I'll sit beyond Monday. That's Nathan Buckley talking about his departure as coach of Collingwood. It has been confirmed that current assistant coach Robert Harvey, St Kilda Great, of course, will be the caretaker coach for the rest of the season. Nathan Buckley was in his 10th season as the coach of Collingwood. He coached 217 games with a 54% winning record. He steered Collingwood into a grand final and a narrow one loss to West Coast, of course. Um, And it's been a pretty uh, tumultuous time in his departure with the salary cap dramas, Eddie Maguire going, of course, the um, uh, the um, Heritier Lumumba situation that we can be better uh, inquiry as well. All righty, um, let's go with our callers who are entering a Who Am I? No prize competition. Uh, Mike from Palmyra says the answer is Chris Judd. No, it's not. Quinton Lynch was another one. No, not Quinton Lynch either. Not the big Q stick. You'll hear him on SEN football as well. Um, There are a number of people who have got it right. Matt in Bell Divers. Hello, Matt. Nice work by you. And also here, hi, it's the maid guy here. The answer is, now where is my prize? No prize. There's no prize. No, no, there's no prize. No prize. I tell you what, though, there were plenty of questions for Nathan Buckley from the media today. This is what they had to say. This is what they asked the outgoing coach of Collingwood after his announcement today that Monday would be his last day at the reins of the pies. Nathan, was there a reason or a time and a moment where you realised it was the right time or have you been feeling it for a while? Oh, no, Roddy and I have been sort of talking openly for probably the last couple of months and, and we detailed it publicly. We, we understand that yeah, the members deserve to have um, insight into yeah, where the club is and where it's going. Um, uh, what I will say is that, that um, yeah, Roddy's only been at the club for four months, but um, we've got a beauty here, someone who is a really good operator and yeah, very honest, very open. Um, and I've really enjoyed that that time that I've had here with Roddy. Um, 
the, the conversations were largely around what's best for the footy club. Um, and we're trying to remove the external um, noise uh, and conversation and, and work out fundamentally what the program needs and how we're going to get the best out of the people that we have at our disposal. Um, so I think in the end, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, you know, in, in conversations with Graham, it was, it was clear that there was an appetite for change in the in the program, and and I can sense that as well. And and I think of my messages, um, my manner, um, the way that I lead is is established. And I, I we had a general sense that it was time for for something different. It was time for something new and something fresh. And um, and I think that's this is the right time for the football club. Then the decision was made about when. Uh, whether whether to coach the year out, and I would have been happy to coach the year out if that's what the club um, needed and wanted, and we felt that was the best. But um, ultimately, um, coaching this weekend and then and then stepping out is once once again another opportunity for new growth, um, for new energies and new voices, and and, and that's that's the opportunity that should happen um, as soon as that decision is made. So it, it's been really transparent. Um, as I said, I'm really content with the way that the process that has taken place and how it's occurred, and um, yeah, very, very confident in the people that are leading the place and the decisions that are being made that um, that we're that, that the club will head in the right direction. Um, this is, I guess, one of the the few opportunities you get to write the headline, um, and 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 you've, as you said, you've been very transparent. So, what what is the headline? Just to clarify, is it Nathan Buckley has stepped aside, or Nathan Buckley was tapped. I wouldn't presume to do your job for you, TJ. So you, you can <laughs> can write it however you wish, mate. And and one thing I have noticed that even if I speak from the heart and actually tell you what I think and feel, the headline very rarely um, is connected to what I say. So just go for it, mate. Congratulations, Bucks, on a on a terrific contribution to the footy club. <clears throat> we wrote last year. You know, would you be unfulfilled as a coach? And, and you spoke about your life. But can we just separate that a little bit from your, your personal life and footy? Do you feel feel fulfilled as a coach? Um, good question. I, I I sat in a similar position at the end of 2007, sort of thinking that I was going to leave the football club as a player and, and I'd had a full career and I, I, would have been, I was asked the same question. Yeah, to be able to come back into the fold as a, as a coach in 2010 and be a coach in a premiership year, and then go into the into a, into a grand final in 11, um, to take the reins as a senior coach, go into a prelim, then regenerate and then come back around and and, um, and go close in 18, another prelim in 19. Uh, I um. It's 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 a it's a career. My coaching career mirrored the, my playing career pretty closely. If I'm talking about it from my perspective, and ultimately um, to not have um, been part of a premiership when I if I reflect back to what I would have thought 20 years ago, I think I would have been absolutely gutted and shattered by it. Um, I'm disappointed. I, I, it's, I'm definitely not unfulfilled because the journey itself. Um, has been tremendously fulfilling, um, and I and I, you know, bar a, a kick here or there, mate, I wouldn't change much. Um, so yes, it's uh, it's a, it is a good question, and it's one that yeah, I'll probably spend some time reflecting on as we all do about um, what we uh, 
what we put all our time and energy into and our life's passions, but of which football has been one of mine, but um, and the club itself. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I feel I sit here tremendously content with the work that I've done, the people that I've met, uh, what we've been able to achieve, and the way that I've gone about it probably more. So. Welcome back to the Sporting Goss on a wet day. Don't make sure you drive carefully on those roads. It's 22 after 10. After 10.30, we're going to hear from Oscar Allen. He does a podcast for the West Coast Eagles called Coast to Coast. And he got involved in a conversation yesterday with Hamish Brayshaw. It has certainly got the headline-making newspaper, the West Australian, with a big story on the back page uh, in regards to the abuse that he copped after he injured himself in the game at Optus Stadium. That saw him miss the following game because of concussion. Don't forget, 0487 736 736. You can always text us or always call us, 13 12 55. We are asking, who am I? I played for two clubs, but my first club, I wore three different jumper numbers in my first three years. I played in a premiership and I ended up playing with a Victorian club. Now, a couple of people have got it right. Can you answer that question? There's no prize. No, no, no prize. It's just the, 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 you don't have to get angry about it. It is simply based on the fact is that you do it for pride. You're playing for pride. Now, Matt of Beldivis has nailed it. The made guy, I'm not exactly sure what that's all about. But anyway, the made guy texted in. He says he wants his prize. There's no prize. <laughs> Speaking of booing, Dean Margetts is going to join us, the AFL umpire, after 11 o'clock for a regular segment on the show. Drew Jones is from Fox Sports. He was at the press conference with Nathan Buckley this morning. And uh, let's catch up with him next. So that's how it played out today. Nathan Buckley, Graham Wright and also Mark Anderson from the Collingwood Football Club. Nathan Buckley to coach his last game on Monday. Drew Jones was at the press conference for Fox Sports and he joins us online. Did you just come out of left field, Drew? Hello, guys. Yeah, blood's pumping at the moment. Biggest story of the year as far as AFL goes in Melbourne. And yeah, it, it did a little bit, probably because we took what Nathan Buckley said at a press conference a few weeks ago as gospel, which was that he wanted to coach on next season and beyond. So really, uh, I think the feeling was that he was battening down the hatches ready to start this rebuild. They've been playing the kids. They haven't played too bad the last few weeks. Perhaps things were starting to turn a little bit in terms of the on-field performance. And I guess I viewed that as a positive for Nathan Buckley and his coaching tenure. But also, I had this feeling, Goss, that the fact that there's so much unrest at Collingwood, you think about the salary cap upheaval, Eddie Maguire leaving, the do-better report, and now the board row that's going on, Mm. he was the one steady pillar, Nathan Buckley, who's been associated with the club for 27 years. The fact that he was leading the charge as the man at the forefront of the club, I felt that maybe that stability for him would work in his favour. That wasn't to be, uh, and as they mentioned, an appetite for change and Bucks goes. All right. So did he go under his own volition? He was very keen to talk about that, and he said he didn't understand the word tap, and then he used the word tap in the next sentence. Um, <laughs> but interesting, do, do we think that Graham Wright's come in and, and shaken the tree a little bit and they've mutually agreed to, to go now? Yeah, I would believe that to be the case. And he was part of the reason that he was brought in was to be that fresh set of eyes and, and, you know, having been in a really successful program 
at Hawthorne, but he also understands the value of longevity because he's seen Alistair Clarkson go through numerous ups and downs at Hawthorne. So at least, you, like Nathan Buckley knew that Graham Wright understood, A, the success that can be had from longevity, but also potentially the need for change. Feels like the club you know, above Nathan felt that perhaps this was the right time for change. Not just that maybe his message was starting to grow stale after being coached into his 10th season, but also because there had been so much upheaval at the football club and Eddie Maguire clearly has been one of Nathan Buckley's biggest supporters, that maybe with so much changing in the end, the view from inside was that it was the right time for Nathan to go. Drew Jones from Fox Sports is our guest. Two questions for you. I know you're pressed for time and I really appreciate your time here on the Sporting Goss. Uh, Ross Lyon is a 10 to 1 on favourite to get the gig or is it Graham Wright being connected to Alistair Clarkson? Does that sort of uh, open up the door for Collingwood? I would imagine that's the first first phone call, isn't it? You speak to Alistair Clarkson and said, you want any challenge? Are you ready to go at Collingwood? If they're and Clarko may feel that then Sam Mitchell, having coached at the VFL side this year, is ready to step into that role. Perhaps that works as the, you know an AFL coaching cycle. Buckley steps aside. Clarkson comes in and takes over this rebuild, which we know he's done before, and perhaps is invigorated by a new challenge, and that allows Sam Mitchell to take control of the rebuild at Hawthorne. So Graham Wright's in a great position to be able to orchestrate that, given his relationship with Clarko. Ross Lyon, as a story, if it's not Clarko, is probably the next best to see him at a really big club, you know, to take on the juggernaut that is Collingwood and all that comes with that. Um, that would be a fascinating one, wouldn't it, We'll God? find out on Footy Classified tonight, I'm sure, when he's sitting alongside Eddie Maguire. Mate, big day. I know you've got plenty to get through. Appreciate you taking our call this morning. Thanks, guys. There he is, Drew Jones from Fox Sports. Good West Aussie boy doing good things over there in the landscape of Melbourne and footy. We'll take a break, come back. More on that breaking story. Nathan Buckley gone as Collingwood coach. Before we do go to our news break, uh, the back page of today's West Australian, Break Your Neck, Online Abuse, Rocks Concussed Eagle. They got this story from the Coast to Coast podcast. If you want to listen to it in full, you can get it on all good podcasts or go on to the West Coast Eagle socials. And uh, this was a conversation in that uh, podcast with Oscar Allen, who should be returning this week for the game against Richmond, and Hamish Brayshaw, who is now the Eagles waffle captain. Have a listen to this. This is the conversation courtesy of the West Coast Eagles podcast, Coast to Coast, with Oscar Allen and Hamish Brayshaw. It's actually become a, a pretty common theme, I think, in AFL circles, people and sporting circles in general. The the kind of feedback blokes get after the game and during the game on social media is is very interesting. I remember I got one after the the actually elimination final we lost to Collingwood last year. Yeah. Um, and you weren't very happy about it and you were pretty close to... Oh, I was pretty close to putting something on my Instagram story about it. But uh, it's just sometimes you're out there, you're doing your best and you walk off and people just sort of think, forget that you're a human and, you know, just send you expletives that are just, you know, like, come on, mate, settle down and uh, I think you might have one here. Yeah, so I'm not sure if Thumper's got the, the beeper ready. Yeah, we should um, do. But I've got the uh, after the game, obviously, pretty bad concussion. Um, didn't have much recollection of it. Pretty scary experience. I've got the old, you f- piece of f- you completely f- 
my multi because you didn't kick a goal, honestly die, break your neck, which is not great. Oh. And um, lucky I'm relatively thick-skinned, hey. but that's just not acceptable. And there's been a lot of it in recent years with racial images yep. being um, and messages being sent to Indigenous players. Um, but that's another form of hate, which I don't think is acceptable anymore. And I think everyone would agree it's not really something you should be sending to someone no. after the game. I just think it's just something that should be stamped out. And a lot of it often is to do... We always say gamble responsibly, but a lot of it is to do, do with, with gambling. Yeah. gambling. Like blokes will message players all the time saying, you ruined my multi. I had a guy in... I played my first game against St Kilda. And for those of you at home listening who don't know too much about football, I'm sure you do, you're listening to a football podcast. First game, debutants often don't play more than, you know, 60% of the game. It's your first time at AFL level. You need to adapt to it. You're on and off the ground. I played 58% of the game as a small forward or a pressure half forward. And I got a message after the game from some random bloke whose name I can't remember, but I just laughed it off and it was like you mate you ruined my multi I had you for 30 and you were the one leg that let me down and I got this message and I just started laughing I'm like what on earth is this bloke putting me in his multi for 30 touches for it's my first game I had five for the day but like it's it, come on you know seriously some of these messages that players get and I oh, thankfully only got one and, and just laughed it off but players do so get some seriously obscene stuff and um, and you know obviously yourself you, you brush it off but some guys don't brush it off as easy and so it's not something you can sort of laugh off a, a fair bit of the time yeah I mean it's pretty embarrassing um, I don't think don't understand what you think you're getting from it you're, you're pretty much just embarrassing yourself yeah um, yeah I'm not a huge fan of it and it's one of the reasons why a lot of people in the AFL industry aren't keen to open themselves up and they're not yeah. keen to show who they really are on social media or they're not keen to express themselves because I mean fear of Australians as a, as, a society, as a society are pretty closed minded I dare say and if you come out the norm you get whacked pretty quickly by, by random people who know nothing about you they're not really open yeah. So the NBL final series has been decided. The two Melbourne teams will go at it, but our interest in Perth, of course, starts Thursday night. It is up against the Illawarra Hawks, the Perth Wildcats. And the coach of the Cats, Trevor Gleeson, has been kind enough to join us. No, Bryce Cotton, you're sick of hearing that. Are you in a good space, Trevor, as you join the show? Thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot. Yeah, look, it's... um we're coming to grips with it without a question and not to have uh, Bryce there, but we've had, you know, five games now to get into a little bit of rhythm without him. And, um, you know, I'm pretty, pretty happy with our progression uh, during that time. Big advantage having played Melbourne late in the season uh, with nothing on the line, so to speak, for you. Was that an opportunity for you guys to run some new systems without Bryce against the best team in the competition? And the same goes also for the Illawarra game? Yeah, but the last two games, even though we lost them, it was a great hit out for us. It was high intensity and and just finding the areas that we've got to uh, pay attention to. And you want those games coming into the finals. You want tough, hard games. You don't want these game blowout games where teams have finished the season and quit and you win by 20. You get nothing out of those. And uh, we've had two hard games coming in, and that's going to hold us in good stead come Thursday night. What have you liked about what your players have done? Oh, just the resilience. You know, we've played 36 games. 22 of those games have been on the road. Um, and 
the winning record that we've had on the road. It's just the, the resilience of the group, um, you know, to step up when we needed to step up. And, you know, I've been pretty... Um, pretty happy with how we've developed as a team and how we've grown as a team and um, you know now the bright lights get shiny shinier through the playoffs and uh, we're ready to take that next step Can you give our listeners an indication of what role Bryce Cotton plays right now albeit he's injured albeit he can't travel and I get that and I saw him limping at training he looks pretty sore and sorry for himself but because he's such the master and the playmaker and the high scorer of your team would he have a role whether it be sitting on the bench uh, helping those who are stepping into his shoes at the moment what what does Bryce do over the playoffs in the finals yeah no he's hands-on with the players and he just gives them the feedback that he sees and, you know, when there's help coming out, look for this. And just uh, a lot of insights that you only really get when you're playing out there. So um, he's good with the one-on-one and the tactical side with the players to keep positive and keep being aggressive. And to have that positive influence around the team has really been beneficial for us. How's Mitch Norton feeling, mate? I know you, there is some concern about his fitness at the moment and you're probably going to run the ruler through him today at some stage, uh, regardless of whether he plays or not. What, what does he have to do to prove his fitness for tomorrow night? Yeah, well, he has to get through a practice today. So we're, we're um, you know probably an hour away from getting on court and we'll put Mitch through a, um, you know, a good fitness test. He's, he's a big part of what we're doing and um, we're hopeful that he can get through it, but uh, things are looking positive on that time. So you go in and you sit second behind Melbourne United, who everyone thinks they're now the team to beat. Illawarra are coming. They're beautifully coached, of course, by Brian Gorgian. And then you've got uh, the Phoenix, uh, South East Melbourne, uh, of course, as well. Just tell us where you think you sit. Do you do you really believe without your best player and without arguably the best player in the competition, you are in this championship race up to your eyeballs or are you going to need something special? Yeah, w- without a question, we're in this. You know, you look at, um, you know, we played the Hawks a couple of weeks ago and lost by two points on the road. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot of improvements still to come and, we're we're not worried about what the pecking order right is. We're just worried about Thursday night and, and taking care of that. We want to start the playoffs the right way. Hopefully we have a great crowd and they can be intimidating force out there to help us get over the line and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. And Sometimes when you try to picture these things and get too far in front, you forget what's important and that's when you lose games. So our, our total focus right now is on Thursday night and letting everything take care of itself. Is it a distraction that there's stories being written that John Mooney's thinking about staying? Do you think that's a, a, the untimely writing of that story for John or do you think John's very much focused on the now? Yeah, no, John's, John's made that. Uh, obviously, he wants to go back and try to make the NBA mm. and we know that that's a dream of his and we want him to have a challenge for that and that'll happen in the off-season and and if that doesn't eventuate, we, we'd love to have him back without a question. And, uh, you know, he, he's already told us that he loves wants to come back, but um, there's still a fair bit of water to go before that happens. 
Can I mention that Andre Lomanis uh, has uh, fired a couple across the bow on the way out? Of course, coaching the Brisbane Bullets for the last time last night has said he's called on the NBL to be more transparent about money each club is able to spend on its players. He's just thrown a little bit of kerosene on the fire on the way out. Yeah, look, I, I'm not aware of that, but, um, you know, the, the one thing the NBL has done the last few years is been transparent with that. And uh, he also introduced a salary cap tax. So anyone that pays over it. Now, obviously, it's up to each team to be honest and truthful. So I'm not sure of where, where he's getting that from. But, um, you know, that's pretty hard to make a comment when I don't know what he said. But I think the league has made a definitely improvement in that area. Um, and it's and it's been quite open and honest the last three, four years. How are you feeling, mate? How are you feeling as coach of these Perth Wildcats? Forget about your team. Forget about everything else going on. How are you going? You ready to dust yourself off and restart, which is what the finals are all about? Yeah, this I've really got a pep in the step. Once we knew that we were playing the uh, Wollongong Hawks, it was kind of undecided still yesterday who we were going to play. But once it got definite that this is the team that we're going, there's just a little bit of bounce in the step and ready to get going. So we'll have a great practice today and, and get onto it Thursday night and hopefully start off on a good note. Appreciate your time, mate. Good luck on behalf of everyone. And thanks again for taking time out to speak to SENWA on Sporting Goss. No worries, mate. Too easy. Mate. There's Trevor Gleeson, the coach of the Perth Wildcats. It is a big one. Make sure you get there, Red Army. Get there, get loud as the Wildcats prepare for another big final series. This is the Sporting Goss. It's pretty wet outside. It's a quarter to 11. Drive carefully. And if you're listening on, of course, SEN Track on the SEN app and or if you're down there in Bunbury on SEN Spirit 621, please be careful. Bad weather around for the next couple of days. Still to come on the show, Dean Margetts, senior AFL umpire, is going to join us in the studio. Going to be a regular every couple of weeks. If you've got a question for Dean, let us know. 0487 736 736. We'll vet them. 0487 736 Or give us a call. 13 12 55. So if you've got a number, uh, a question for Dean, 0487 736 736. In the meantime, there's some breaking news in the world of football, world game, and the great, well, I, I like to call him Peter Vlahos's world game apprentice. Sure. And that is Chris Clafunas. Uh, you, you've got some news. Yeah, Aussie Joe Montemuro, he's been appointed as the head coach of Juventus women's team starting from July 1st. Uh, he confirmed his departure from the Arsenal women's side uh, earlier in March. Uh, after three and a half years, won everything. He was an absolute superstar, an absolute jet there. Uh, not too much of a surprise. There were rumblings that this would happen. He was, I spoke to him actually about a year or so ago, and he always kind of said that he's got a lot of family in Italy. He he loves Italy and, and or, or had that connection all his life. In fact, I think he played for um, one of the Juventus affiliates in Melbourne back in the day. Um, so he's signed up there a little bit. Well, maybe disappointing because there was a lot of speculation that he could come to the Matildas and he's a great coach. Um, Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. We've got Tony Gustafsson, so now Joe's off to Juventus. So it's a big big move for an Australian coach. That it is. Good on you. There's Chris Clafunas. Let's head to Georgie Parker, who joins us now for her regular segment on Sporting Goss. And, of course, you'll also hear her on Gillian Goss on a Monday as well. Georgie, it's been all about Collingwood this morning. It has. It's been taking over the news. It went head-to-head with the the acting premier over here, so it'll be interesting to see which one won out there with um, the press conferences. But huge news, and I I don't like seeing coaches go mid-season. I don't know how much better it can be for the athletes, but, um, you know, it's big news for for a guy who's been around at that club for decades 
absolute decades Bucks has been around. So it's bad for the club, but I'm excited for him to be able to just be a normal guy for a little bit. So it's, it's pretty big news over here. Yeah. Georgie, you had a very brief stint at the Collingwood AFLW team. What was interaction yeah, like with Nathan? Brief. Yeah, no, nah, but still. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Two years, pre-game superstar here. No, he is just a wonderful man. And I think sometimes um, in the world of sport, it's such a business now. It's, it's There's a lot of stakeholders, and I completely understand that, that it's not just about having a happy club anymore, that you've got to have success to be able to keep stakeholders happy. But I think that's only a really part, a small part of being an athlete. Um, you can win premierships and not have had a, a nice time as a yeah. career. You can win Brownlow's and not have had a nice time. I think what's a measure of success isn't always just that. Um, so having a coach that cares about that well-being and that happiness of its players, of its supporters, you look at Bucks and you know, in, you look at him, the grand final when that flag's falling down, the, the first thing he does is go up to the, the supporter of the mm, fan club mm. there and, and console her. That shows the type of guy that he is, that he cares not necessarily just about winning. Of course, that's really important. But he, in the end, ultimately, it's just a game that's become a business. So I think um, for the most part, of course, no one's perfect all the time, but for the most part, I think that he usually put those athletes' well-being um, and happiness first. And I think that's a measure of success in my eyes as an athlete. Um, I would prefer to be happy and rather than winning things. You know, I know people have won things and haven't changed their opinion or their, their happiness and worth in the world really, has it? No, it's a tumultuous time for the footy club with what they're going through at board level. Eddie Maguire's gone, of course, um, and now yeah. there's speculation as to the replacement coach and Everyone just keeps saying there's only two in the running. Well, it's going to shake up a few clubs, I think. And, you know, they say that, you know, it just takes one domino for them all to start falling and it could have, like, a little swap between them all. Um, I know that, you know, you think of Hawthorne. They've probably um, not been under the microscope as much this year. They're performing very poorly on the field and they've not been under the microscope because Collingwood haven't been performing. That's now changed. Is the pressure going to start going on Hawthorne, maybe? David Teague, I... I think that's still too early to be putting pressure on him. It takes a little bit of time for players to start playing the way the coach does, and sometimes it just clicks. And I don't know why it clicks, but it just clicks a little bit later. So I'm still um, not uh, – well, I'm not wanting pressure to go on David Teague, but, um, of course, people like putting pressure on things because it makes stories. But I think Alistair Clarkson is probably someone that might get a little bit of pressure on him. But in the end, he's the, the goat of all coaches here in Australia, so he um, – it gets a little bit of leeway, I think. It'd be interesting to see tonight um, yeah. on a footy classified Eddie Maguire interviewing Ross Lyon. It'll be uh, good to watch. Mm. Uh, the back page of today's West Australian, Break Your Neck. Online abuse rocks concussed Eagle. He said this on the West Coast Eagles podcast yesterday. I'm talking about Oscar Allen. Here it is. But I've got the uh, after the game, obviously, pretty bad concussion. Um, didn't have much recollection of it. Pretty scary experience. I've got the old, you f- piece of f- You completely f- my multi because you didn't kick a goal. Honestly, die, break your neck, which is not great. <laughs> That's an understatement. Not great would be the, the fair word. Um, yeah, we have Dean Marguess joins us after 11. I reckon he could rattle off a few of those as well. Uh, j- just in regards to that, Georgie, you've been involved in, in top line sport for a while and, and a lot of our – and you know you give as good as you get and I, I come under attack and predominantly at the moment from Frio fans and, and I get that when your team's not winning, you're always looking for a scapegoat. But at the end of the day, can I – 
sort of ask you, you know, you being at international sport and being a, a, a in the media as such in your various roles, I mean, are you sort of shepherding off that type of abuse at a regular moment or is it not as hard-hitting as what Oscar <laughs> Allen has just read out? Not so much as that because the, the world of punting, that's the ugly side of it. And it's a side that um, bookmakers don't tolerate. They'll be up, they'll find who said that and they'll, they'll block him from their site because that is the ugly side of it where people look at how much they could have potentially won and assume that's how much they've lost. Mate, you've lost $5 that you put on a multi and it's a really, really ugly side. Two minutes. Now, where where punting is more readily used and more simply used on your phone, they're checking apps while they're watching games, mm. to, you know, follow a player to see how many disposals they're getting, as opposed to appreciating the game as it is and having that as a side part of it. You know, they always say, love the game, not the odds, and that's what you want, want to get it back down to. Um, so the guys are copying much more abuse than I'll ever cop because um, these degenerates are, are thinking that they're losing money from it. And it's, it's gross, it's ugly, it's behaviour that should not be tolerated. And um, I know that many bookies will not tolerate it. Um, in saying that, you know, there's ways that these athletes, you, you hear of these things. And as Gilly said, just don't open them. And what he means by that is you can make it that nobody can message you. Mm. And then you want to see the good side of social media, but if that's if the bad side of it, don't allow that to happen. And um, you can block one minute ability to message you on there. And it gets to the point where that's probably what you should be doing um, when, when it's such an ugly, ugly behavioural trait that's happening more and more often. 100%. Got to go. News is on the way. Thanks for our chat. We'll do it again on Monday morning with Gillian Goss. And stay safe. The good news is there's less and less cases over there, which is good for you and everybody else. Only one today. Amazing. Hope to be open next week. Good on you, Georgie. Georgie Parker joining us, of course, each and every Monday on Gillian Goss and on the Sporting Goss. It's 12.1 degrees. Let's take a break. News is just around the corner. Coming up to two minutes away from 11. Now, after 11 o'clock, Dean Ma gets AFL umpire is going to come in. If you have a question for Dean, 0487 736 736, or better still, give us a call, 13 12 55. 13 12 55 there. You're in early, so you're... You ready? You got your helmet on? I'm ready to go. Okay. And this is what we love, that you're available to, to chat because we do know, and we just had that conversation with Georgie and we've played the Oscar Allen stuff, um, you'd know what it's like to cop social media abuse. Yep. And, oh. that's, and that is really tough to live with. It is, and I would get that stuff every week. Uh, next time at Optus, come out to a glass you're out of the grandstand, some pretty harsh stuff. I mean, I've Do you got... get security in and out of the ground? Uh, we do. I'm, I get to park in the ground, so I'm lucky. Um, but... It's, yeah, sometimes like Oscar sort of mentioned, it can just wear away at you a bit. I mean, as players, they're going to, have to perform. They're not thinking about goals or odds. They're just playing the game to win mm. and, and do the best they can. That's like umpires. We're just mm. out there to make calls and do the best we can as well. And we sometimes make mistakes and no one feels that more than a player and or an umpire, I think. All right, Dean's going to stay with us. Uh, after 11 o'clock, he's going to join us. 13 12 or 0487736736. If you've got a question for Dean, also a quiet night for Ben Simmons. Three rebounds, seven assists, 4.76 has levelled this series with Atlanta, 102 to 118. Joel Embiid finished with 40. Game three is on Saturday. Simon Miller is going to join us. Also, he's got, a, I think, five runners at a wet old Belmont across the road from here as well. He is going to join us. Uh, we're going to chat with him. And we're going to also hear from Cam Shepard 
Shepherd and Ash Prescott tomorrow. We've interviewed those two coaches in regards to their big game on Saturday at Revo Fitness Stadium. They will join us as well. Dean Mar gets after the 11 o'clock news, 0487 736 736 or 131255. Get your questions in. We'll be chatting with one of the most experienced umpires to ever umpire the game of football in our studio next. It's 12.2 degrees. Time for news. Couple after 11, Sporting Goss on a Wednesday, 12.2 degrees. Uh, it's a little wet, so be careful out on those roads. And one man has just walked in complaining that it's really cold. Mm. It's Dean Marquette. Very cold. Where's your beanie? I've got to get one. We actually have to wear the MND beanies onto the ground on uh, Saturday in my game, so looking forward to that. And I just spoke to Chris and he said, this is the biggest ratings time now, 11 to 11.30 on Wednesdays with Dean and Goss. I like that. This is what we call the hating half hour. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, mate, dream time. Um, Have you done a dream time game before in Melbourne? I haven't. Okay. How was that experience here? It was a special experience. I changed it to Dean time. Is that appropriate? Or not really. Okay. No, it was a really good. <laughs> is my comedy working, Chris? No. Not? No, it's not. Last no, thing I... you need to do is, is throw bad jokes. Okay, that wasn't good. Um, it was a great experience. I mean, 55,000 packed up the Optus. Um, and it was different because it wasn't the usual same old West Coast supporters in the same seats at the same time, so mm. like, or Frio vice versa. Mm. So to have such a, you know, two powerful Victorian clubs with obviously a significant supporter base in WA to be there, obviously with all the Indigenous stuff, Whitmore was just, yeah, the lights, the colour, the action. I mean, just to be standing there was a privilege to be a part of it. You've, and you do those impartial games, so to speak, all the time on the East Coast, uh, especially those Melbourne games, the mm. big teams. So did it, did it have a bit of a Melbourne feel about it? Yeah, it did. Um, still some people reminded me I was still not a great umpire, which was good, but not as to the, the level that I normally get from our local team. So, But it was just nice to see, I guess, different faces in the crowd because when you walk on the same place, you see similar faces. They give you the same stuff when you come off the field. So it was good to see a different range of football follower, which I thought was great. I mean, my young stepdaughter who sort of barracks for different teams when they win, all of a sudden want to go and buy a Richmond jumper. So if that's a good thing for the game, where you've got young kids going and buying different colours of different teams, that's a good thing, I reckon. Dean Margetz is in the studio. If you have a question for Dean, 0487 736 736 or 131255, how do you think you umpired on Saturday night? It's pretty well. I had a couple of little skill errors, um, maybe a little drifting bounce and a couple of my movement patterns uh, weren't as sharp as they could have been. But overall, decisionally, my feedback was pretty positive. I think I had two missed uh, free kicks and, and those two would be one that most footy people wouldn't have even notice, just the way our eternal assessment goes. So overall, pretty positive. How do you think you're umpiring in the last month? Uh, probably better than my first month. I mean, coming back from that injury, yep. I, it took me a while to find my feet again. I yep. mean, not having a, um, a proper pre-season. So I certainly understand what players say when they, they miss a chunk of pre-season. I was sort of rehabbing, coming back from my stress fracture and um, doing some waffle games is different to AFL. So getting back to the speed. So I think my last three or four weeks have been probably my better. G'day, Goss. Uh, could you ask Dean's take on his insufficient intent call the other week on Cam Zerha from North Melbourne, Mike of Woodlands? Mike, I've moved on from that, but since you brought it up, no, it wasn't a great free kick, I need to be honest. <laughs> but just to put some context on that, so when that was kicked across the face of goal, I was the umpire almost behind Cam, and sometimes we rely on some communication feedback from our fellow umpires, and the mid-zone umpire sort of says to me, yeah, I think we should pay it, pay it. Now, ultimately, I'm responsible to make the decision. Um, I went on the feedback 
paid it. it. Clearly, it was incorrect. We went through the coaching, and it was a mistake. So, um, we don't sit here and put our hand up and say it was right when it's wrong. So, yeah, to Mike's question, um, yeah, we got that one wrong, Mike. So you're right. Good stuff. And uh, that's the other thing. I mean, not. And we appreciate you coming. You know, no Razor Ray Chamberlain does a segment with Jared Waitley, I think, with yes, Jared uh, right. in Melbourne on SEN. I think it was just. I know he does SEN. I was unsure which uh, slot it was, but definitely Jared. Um, and the admission of mistakes when people. You don't get many people ring up saying that was a good umpiring decision. No, but the pers- the first person to do that, I'm going to give him a signed Indigenous <laughs> shirt. How's that? Hey, why not? Okay, so the first person that says something really positive to you, Dean? I think I'm going to go, dear whoever that is, signed shirt, Indigenous that I wore on the weekend, cleaned of course. How's that? Did you work up a sweat? Yeah, significant. I changed it half time. We have two shirts, yeah. Two shirts. Mm. Uh, Dean, appreciate your time. This is Mike from Palmyra. It's a very it's big Mike it's day. It's a Mike day. Uh, as a Frio supporter, I didn't like the look of Nathan Wilson's groin hit, which he does. He did cop a, a week suspension. Now, you didn't do this game. Nope. Uh, this is the second week in a row. Mills from Sydney the week before. Uh, question probably not where you can answer it, but do you think he should have been given a second week and made an example of by the AFL? It's just not a good look for the game. Uh, I don't get involved in MRP. That's yep. Chris's job, so yep. not for me to talk about players' suspensions, but certainly, I mean, the vision says a fair bit, doesn't it? I mean, I think there's, I think I heard Dermot Brereton on Fox the other night saying it's the sort of the unwritten rule about players. That's an area you don't go and get involved in. And I think, I guess, from the brand of the player, it probably looks better, worse for them than anybody else. Yeah. So, and he would probably regret that now in hindsight. I think I'm they sure. do, and it's, I don't think I think it's just that spur of the moment decision, mm. so the fierce nature of the battle that is. You lash mm. out, and yeah. it doesn't. I, I think doesn't. we heard some audio in my game on the dream time when Nick Vlaston, you know reminded a player maybe he wasn't sort of doing the right thing and yeah. it comes through on my umpire's mic so again it's, it sticks with the player who says that they've got to live with that and work through it and things are said in the heat of battle umpires wearing microphones that seems to come up a lot of people say get rid of it I think it would be very barren listening to the game without it I think there's a, a time and a place mm. you, you, as an umpiring fraternity can you speak on behalf of the umpiring fraternity comfortable wearing them I think we are yeah a bit like you now I think if we watch TV without it, we'd be like, well, what's the free kick for? I mean, I there was a free kick I paid against Dustin Martin on the weekend for a swinging arm to the, the chest of yeah. um, Darcy Parrish. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you've got to, ex- you wouldn't see it on the vision, so I sort of have to explain it, not just for the people on the field, but sometimes for the stakeholders at home. Um, Jeff Dalgleish played a free kick off the ball um, uh, behind me, so we just try and articulate what's being said. So free kick, out of zone umpires paid it to high tackle, and everyone goes, okay, we get it. So I think the education piece is a really important part of the microphone system that we use. My Mike from Palmyra says, hi, Dean, great job on the weekend. Oh, we've no, got no, he's, he's, no, that's not. He wants to share it, but I think we can get better than that, surely. You reckon? He's got his hat in the ring. He's in the, you're in the mix, Mike. You're in the mix. I'm, it's Mike. I'm behind the mic. I'm going to make the call. <laughs> if anyone would like to ask Dean Mar gets a question, 0487 736 or better still, give us a call, 13 12 55. Uh, I stand corrected on this. Did you watch the Bulldogs Fremantle game? Yes, I did. Um, I think from that uh, 50 metre penalty against Nathan Wilson for that lash out, uh, Ray Chamberlain, good umpire, I like Ray, a lot, mm-hmm. took the player from the 45 metre area where the free kick was to the middle of the goal square. He yep. came up a bit shy in the 50 metres. Now, he obviously clearly didn't know where the 50 metre line was watching the incident. Mm-hmm. And, and, yep. and look, he didn't measure it out right. There's no, it's all there for everyone to see. Do, are the umpires in consultation about. 
go back, keep going, mate, keep going for the 50 metres to measure that out because you're, you're dealing with a player coming back, get out of the zone, you're dealing with the mm-hmm. – often the 50 metres is where it's a little bit of emotional time. So who's yeah. helping you measure 50? Uh, generally, um, your fellow umpires will probably have an idea where that's happened. I had one on the weekend too with, um, uh, I think, Dan Johansson paper, and I said, hey, 10 more metres further back till we try and get as close to 50 as we can. I guess when it's around that 50 metre line, the landscape of the ground should help us. Obviously, 50 is 50. The, the centre square, Tim, is how big? 50. 50. So the, the length of the goal square, Tim, is how long? Uh... Ten. Nine metres. Nine. I was going to say nine. I was going to say from, nine. From but point it, post to point post. So when you're saying, yeah, point. all right. So, so what do you say? So what do you say? So so the square is nine. How far does the bloke now on the mark have to come back? 15 metres. So, so it's 24 metres. From the goal line. He's got so from the goal line. So that player with the ball. So when the player steps out of the square, it's play on yep. and a stat. Yep. If he kicks it from inside the square, it's not a stat. Correct. So if he steps outside the square yes. and kicks the ball and it doesn't touch another player and it rolls out of bounds, is that out of bounds on the four and come back or is that now? No, that rule's been changed now. So, so but, but if he kicks it from inside the square and it goes out. Yep. So they, see, these are things yeah, that people don't know. Little nuances. I could I could spend nine hours here going for the law book and it would do your head in, but the education that we wow. could share, it's a lot of stuff that goes Okay, so on. I'm going to slow that down for our, for our, for our listeners right now. Centre square, uh, so the goal square is nine metres. So nine, no, nine metres long. Nine metres long yes. and seven wide. 6.4. So from point post to goal post, goal post to goal post, goal post to point post is 6.4. So it's 19.2 metres from point post to point post. So when a player kicks from point post to goal post, it should be play on not 15. So they're all cues and indicators gotcha. of the landscape of our ground. So just clarifying this. So this is what I want. This is what this education, this is what this umpiring education is. And it's for me as much as it is for the listeners. So if I am in the goal square, and I'm the fullback, and I kick the ball from inside. My planted foot is inside, and I kick it, and it goes out of bounds without being touched. That is now out of bounds on the full and comes back in, Correct. courtesy of a kick for the opposition. Right. But if I step outside the square, and you call play on, and I kick it, and it still goes out without anyone touching it, it's a boundary throw in. Correct. Unless we deem it to be a deliberate act, which is unlikely from such a kick. What is the call now on deliberate? It's not deliberate. It's lack of intent. It's it? insufficient intent. Mike from Woodlands got it right with him. Had a crack at my insufficient intent error. So is it insufficient intent from the kicker to keep the ball in? Yes. Or it doesn't have to be a kicker. You could knock it out. You can handball it over. You can knee it over. And you can, you know, it's there's there's many varied ways of being paid an insufficient intent for a kick. Anyone who is texting us, and let me tell you, it's good. And it's great that you're giving us access. Thank and you. I think a lot of people mm. should uh, be grateful for that. And that's what this segment is about. Now, some of it is not, uh, well, no, it's not abusive. It's I think there's a bit of schmarminess going on. But <laughs> Goss, can you please ask Dean, his free kick differential is 240 plus in favour of West Coast and the only team he has a positive differential home and away. Um, I think they've thrown the numbers up. I wouldn't have any idea about okay. those numbers. Right. We're assessed on our games week to week, and our coaches don't go, oh, by the way, Dan, did you know that you've paid 19 more for East Eston? It's just not a thing we get, in, we get caught up in. We're, okay. we're kick by kick. Dean, please pay holding the ball this week. How that rule went missing for the 120 minutes on Saturday night is still a mystery. Please reward the tackler, as it's a lot harder to tackle than it is to get caught. Frank from Yanjibup. Well, Frank, um, there's about 19 different cues for holding the ball. The perfect tackle doesn't mean it's a free kick. Yeah, if I haven't had prior opportunity, I get tackled. All I have to do is make a genuine attempt to handball or kick. And if I miss that, it's play on. Okay. Okay. I've got the footy. Yes. And Chris Clafunas tackles me. Yep. He swings me around in a 360. I go around quickly. Yep. I go to kick it. My The ball does not hit my boot. 
and he's tackled me basically when I've come in possession of the footy. Yep. Cool? We would say play on. No prior opportunity. We must then see a genuine attempt to dispose. If we see that, it'll be play on. So the, the rule is, have you had reasonable time? If we deem the 360 to be reasonable time, which I don't think it is. Wasn't there a 720 the other night? Didn't there someone was a go around twice? Yeah, it, it, but it happens really quickly though. Um, again, you, it's it's an interpretational decision, but my concern is, and I heard a lot of um, social media on after the dream time, we might have got a couple of decisions incorrect, but it's generally the way people wanted umpired, not the way umpires are instructed to umpire. And as I say, there are so many cues. Prior opportunity, illegal disposal. Uh, have you dived on the ball? Is the sure. tackle legal? And this is all happening in a split second. So it's very easy in your, in your comfy chair at home to go, oh, that's, a, that's a poor decision. But I'd love to take people on a little two-minute tour of an AFL game just to get an idea yep. of this. And I'm not making excuses for errors. I'm not. But it is a lot more difficult than what people may think. Now, you oh. go to many games very every week. You'll still text me during the week going, what's this free kick? What's yep. that for? So even as a footy head like you, there's still stuff you don't know. So oh, I'm, I'm probably speaking on behalf of a lot of the public who probably don't know either, and that's okay. But don't criticise the umpire because we're educated and you know that we're we're paid to get it right, and yep. paid to know. Um, okay, so then there's this, and it looks as though the Fremantle fans who who on social media, no disrespect to them, and this is not for you to buy into, but it's just for me to buy. In. The Freo fans who say they don't listen to the show are clearly listening to the show today because they're all texting in. How does the noise of affirmation only work for the Eagles, and why is it that when you and Del Gleish, which I think they're meaning Jeff. Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Yeah. No, stand. Stand. Love to stand. <laughs> Umpire in a derby at Frio have never won the free kick count. Anyway. Free kick counts. What, what does it mean? If it's 40 free kicks to 10, if they're correct and we pay them. I mean, yeah. it's not something that we ever discuss as a as a team. We so don't... this is why a lot of people think, this, and I'll give you my view. So at halftime, the free kick count is, in fact, I think I was in the Dreamtime game at one stage 20 to 6 or something. I can't mm. remember. And, and I heard people messaging and saying, going, oh, look, Richmond have only, uh, Essendon have only got six free kicks and Richmond have got 20. You go down into the rooms at halftime and the umpire coach or whoever comes down, are you... You're not made aware never, of it. You're not looking ne- at the board to see. Never mentioned, never discussed. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Occasionally, if it flashes up on the scoreboard, you see it, but it d- does it affect our processing or does it, it just doesn't? I mean, put my umpiring boss hat on from the waffle umpires. I get that from clubs. You know, it was 31 to 17 or 20. It doesn't matter. It could be 40 to 5 if mm. they're warranted or they're correct. Um, we're just assessing correct, Mr. Unwarranted. That's all we worry about. Now, sometimes absolutely we make mistakes, but it's not a conscious effort to level up the count because that's not how it works. If you don't kick the ball, as this text says, is that not incorrect disposal? As I said before, have you had prior opportunity? No, you haven't. Okay. All you have to do is make a genuine attempt. If it misses your boot, it's playing. If I've had prior opportunity, different story. Okay. So the no prior prior op is completely different. It's good. I'm I'm enjoying it. Are you, are you enjoying it? I love it. Okay. All righty. Um, uh, Tim of Applecross, hi Dean. Has uh, incorrect disposal as a rule been abolished or changed in any way? Again, it's a very it's a very broad statement that again you, you you can't throw the ball. Obviously, it must be illegal disposal is handball off a flat hand, clenched fist, and it kicks obviously anything below the knee. But as I say again, it's the prior up or no prop which comes into it. Mm-hmm. If I've picked up the ball and I've had a bounce, and I get tackled, and if I get even a little toe to it, that's the, that's deemed illegal disposal. Now, to the people in the back row, Optus, they're going that's holding the ball, but he's still actually physically kicked the ball. If it misses my boot. Hundred percent, it's 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 holding the ball. But what people forget is a little a little little clenched fister is actually a legal disposal. And we can't pay a free kick for that. And how how good are you at seeing whether a, a tackler is knocking the ball out of possession of a player? And uh, do, and do, is that that that's 
that just happens. It, it just, just happens. Yeah. I mean, I had a passage of play on the weekend where there was so much happening. Player picks up the ball, doesn't even get tackled. It gets knocked out, so there's no legal tackle. So it has to be play on. Jack Rewatt takes two steps, tackled, goes to kick it, no kick. No prior, general intent, play on. So there's lots happening. People might be saying, there's three holding the balls. But you know, by our coaching and our direction, they're actually good play on calls. And some of the best calls we make, Tim, are the ones we don't pay, the non-decisions. There's a lot of those in a game. Yeah, there? absolutely. Yeah, there's probably more non-decisions than there is decisions. Yeah, and we have sometimes over 2,000 transactions in the game from free kick, no free kick, uh, hold, stand, all this stuff that happens, there's a lot happening in a game of 33 minutes. Stay with us, team. We've got plenty more to talk to. It is 18 after 11. Dean Margetz is here, and he's answering your questions, and we have not vetted any of those questions. They all, as they've been written on our screen, we are delivering. So this is access to an AFL umpire, whether you love him or dislike him. He's here to answer your calls, and he hasn't backed down on one. 0487-736-736, or better still, give us a call, 131255. Dean Maher gets AFL umpire. He's going to join us every couple of weeks in the studio. This is the Sporting Goss. Simon Miller joins us after the 11.30 news. He's got five runners racing at Belmont today just across the road. He's one of the best trainers in the business, and he might have a winner for us. Get your pen and paper, and remember, always gamble responsibly. Dean Margetz is in the studio, leading AFL umpire. How many games? Uh, 370 this week. Wow. On the back of, obviously, Simon Meredith doing his 400th on the weekend. Good friend of mine, and seventh highest games of all time in VFL AFL history. Yeah. Now, I just need to clarify something that I said and I want to get it clarified. So if I kick the ball in, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to go over it. No, I just okay. need to walk out of the studio and feeling good about we myself. We want clarity. When I kick the ball out of the centre square, I didn't explain this. When, yep. I, when I kick the ball out of the goal square and it goes out of bounds now or whether I step outside the square, there's no free kick out the four is no, there. That's can, what I was that's asking. That's right. It's, it can only be a free kick if Sorry. we deem it to be insufficient attempt. Okay. And a big shout-out to Cam Douglas, our waffle umpiring head fielder coach. He's always on the ball. Always on the ball. On you, Cam, Brad from Bunbury, 657 uh, SEN track, of course, SENWA, or maybe down on SEN Spirit, uh, 621. Brad, appreciate your time. Dean is listening to you. Thanks for your call. No problem. I would just like clarification on what you class as prior opportunity, as in a fend-off evading a tackle or breaking a tackle and then being tackled again Mm. because they seem to get the same time to get rid of the ball even after attempting a fend-off, which I would see as prior opportunity, you get tackled, then you're gone. That's actually right. How does that work? Yeah, you're absolutely right. If you choose to fend off, you, what we're saying is you've had an opportunity to either handball or kick it. You've chosen to fend off, so that would be your prior. So in a perfect world, that would be a free kick. Um, in normal sort of general play, we like to sort of say is the player balanced and steady, which is generally two to three steps. One, two, three, you've had a chance to kick or handball. That would be obviously legal tackle, would be holding the ball. So um, is it Brad from Bunbury? Yeah. So Brad, you're right. Um, the fend off or the yep. evade, if you choose to evade, you choose to fend. That is actually a prior opportunity. A free kick should be paid. Now you've got to, the balance is sometimes when a player comes at you, you put your arm out to brace. I mean, it's a human instinct to brace for impact. So we've got to determine, is that a, f- a fend off or is that someone just protecting themselves? And that's where making these decisions in the split second can be difficult. Interpretation. Uh, well, I guess so, but we're all coached the same, but understanding yeah. also that we have umpires yeah. who have done 500 games and umpires have done 16. So we are learning at, the, at different speeds and different um, capabilities, but ultimately the coaching message is the same and it's clear. No worries. Sort of clears it. <laughs> Hopefully, but no, you're on the right. You're on the right mark with what you're saying, though, Brad. And yeah. I, and I that's... still think that the prior the prior opportunity when a fend off, they seem to get the same amount of time. It's not like a tackle. They get to fend off, then get tackled. Rather than if they just got tackled, they get an extra second. Mm. And at their level, it's a fairly good time. It's nearly another 
180 or a 360 rotation. Yeah, but just yeah, but just understand also that we still need to yeah. see a legal disposal as well. If they get a handball away, um, it's it's play on, and that's guess where it gets a bit challenging, and, and the balance can be skewed. Good on you, Brad. It's a good call. Well done, mate. Thank you for calling us, and I hope everything is a downtown uh, down okay in my hometown, of course, in Bunbury Town. Uh, caller, um, no name on this, but it says Dean, I would love to wear your green shirt, and I would never wash it. You are the best. Wow. Wow. That she who is that? Can what, we what name, doesn't say no, she names? Or he? no, no names? Well, I think that's the shirt winner just about, isn't it? On I, that. I think so. Is it Valentine's Day soon or not even close? <laughs> I don't know. Someone's <laughs> birthday. It was your birthday last week? It was. How old do you think I am? Oh, I know how old you are. Mm. How old do you reckon people think I am? Probably uh, 50, 60. <laughs> 62, 63. <laughs> don't say that. Go I know. My I skin's know. not that bad. 47? It, it is. I'm 47. Okay. I'm the oldest umpire now. I'm the oldest AFL umpire. But see, isn't it funny? When I grew up with waffle umpiring, and that's all there was, there was no AFL. So the umpires in my day mm. were Ross Capes, yep. Ron Powell. Ron Bucky. Ron Bucky. Um, Phil O'Reilly. Yep. David Rowe. Mike Ball. Mike Ball. Uh, I just remember those umpires. Peter Frusher was running the boundary yeah. line. David Johnson. Yeah, those, David yeah. Johnson. You know, yeah. Peter Repper. Yes. Greg Scroop. Yes. Scroopy was the actual boss of umpiring when I did my only ever... Colts he was. Game. He was my. Co- he was the probably the, the person who got me to where I got to. He was a very big influence on my career. Yeah, good man. Anyway, so but it's interesting that when I grew up, I looked at Ross Capes and I thought Ross Capes was fifty back then, but he was probably only thirty. Yeah, exactly. But he was around for a long yeah. time. And Ross Capes, for those who may remember, a trip down memory lane used to bounce the ball long ways. Long ways, unique. Did eight waffle grand finals. Great umpire. Always regarded as one of the greatest of all time. I don't think he's aged at all. I still see him around. Yeah, he's in good nick, Ross. He's in fantastic he's in nick. nick. Hey, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Really good. Mm. We're going to do that every couple of weeks. And thank you for everyone who messaged. And we understand it's a passionate industry. We understand that umpires, you are the necessary evil, so to speak. You do a great job. You're a good friend of mine, always have been a good friend of mine. Um, And the good news is we'll get you to see you in action this week because you're doing Fremantle Gold Coast. Looking forward to it. Obviously, injuries ravaged Dockers, but obviously with potentially Matt Rowe coming back. So 215 bounce down on hopefully a fine and sunny deck at Optus. Looking forward to putting the straight one up for you. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Tim. Dean Margetts joining us. Uh, Fantastic. Does a great job with umpiring. Don't forget, uh, we will give that shirt to that. A wonderful person who said, Dean, I would love to wear your green shirt. I would never wash it. You are the best. Oh, also, um, one, this is from Ted, who's at home, not feeling all the best before you go out the door. Ted's just uh, at home, reckons you should be doing the big freeze game up there in in Sydney. Uh, I'd love to do that one. I haven't done a big freeze game, but obviously my I'll be doing the big sun game, Freo and Suns. But um, to, um, to Andrea, my right-hand lady at work, she's not feeling too well today, so I just want to say a big hello. I don't know you know her well, Timmy. Good on you. Well done. I certainly do. 29 after 11, news is on the way, and then Simon Miller's going to join us. Don't go anywhere. This is the Sporting Goss. Thanks very much to <laughs> April Austin. Doing a great job in the newsroom. Coming up to 28 away from 12, Simon Miller, not too far away. Get your pen and paper ready. Thanks to everyone on uh, on the socials and on our call lines as well, 13 12 55 and 0487 736 736, who got right involved then with Dean Margetts, who'll be joining us every second week. Brilliant. Thank you very much to everyone. And uh, I think having access to a, a senior umpire like that is fantastic. And, and let's not get personal. Let's just take the opportunity to chat with a senior umpire who 
who does a great job in our game and we should be very, very proud that he's made himself available. And I can assure you it wasn't AFL driven. It was uh, Dean and myself who thought it would give him access to you, the listener and the footy fan. So he doesn't have to do it and he's done it and I think he would be very comfortable with how that went today. Damien Hardwick was here on Saturday night, of course, and they'll be back again on Sunday when Richmond come back to play the West Coast Eagles. Damien Hardwick spoke on radio this morning with Gary and Tim on SEN Melbourne about the Dreamtime and possibly uh, going around the country with the Dreamtime clash after its great success here at Optus Stadium. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, look, it's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. It's world-class, as we know, and you know, it was a real honour to play there. You know, any time you're playing a Dreamtime game, you don't really care where you're playing. It's just a, a significant event. And, you know, it was great for, you know, last year up in Darwin, this year in Perth. So, look, it is something I can possibly see, you know, being shared around from, from my point of view because it's great for everyone to get to, you know, the privilege to see such a game. We're very uh, fortunate to be a participant in it and obviously want that to continue. But, uh Look, it's just a great event, significant event for the Indigenous culture and also for our footy club. Damien Harwick, the coach of Richmond. He was also asked about Shay Bolton and also the challenge of keeping young stars in Chole and Callum Coleman-Jones. This is Damien Harwick again on Gary and Tim this morning. It's always a challenge, isn't it? You know, they're, they're good sides. The players pay for less and they've got an understanding of that. They'll always get paid more elsewhere, there's no doubt. But, you know, we think our players and our organisation creates a, a great enough culture that the, the players want to stay and be a part of that. And, you know, I think the vast majority of those guys will sacrifice to stay. And, look, we hope Shay's one of those players. He's a prodigious talent. There's there's no doubt. You only got to look at the last 12 minutes of that game and to see what he can do and the improvement level that he's still got in front of him is enormous. So, uh, look, we think he'll stay. Um, but until he puts his uh, signature on the, the dotted line, we don't know. Look, the, the great thing about, you know, those guys going out injured, not the great thing, I shouldn't say, the opportunity presented to, to CJ and Marbs, and they've grabbed it with both hands, is there's a benefit to our footy club. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we, we sort of do want to play the three tall forwards, you know, in CJ, uh, Jack, Lynchy and, and Marbs and, and Nank also going through the ruck. So we think that's a a good problem for us to have and it's one I think we can rectify moving forward and you know once again we've seen what those guys can do on the field at the moment and it's going to you know be a benefit for us we think you know it's always good to have good dominating forwards and those guys have played incredibly well over the last two weeks and we've got a fair uh, thought process that that'll continue in the in the not too distant future so you know once again they're really important to, to where we want to go they're young and developing they're bloody exciting we know that so it's our job to try and fit them all in. Back in WA, Sunday night, don't forget, it is a huge game for both Richmond and the West Coast Eagles. Seventh plays eighth. Again, the little gap on the teams that are not in finals contention at the moment. Get your pen and paper ready. Simon Miller is saddling up five runners today across the road at Belmont Park. He'll tell us what's his best for the day. That is on the way. This is Sporting Goss. How's the serenity? So much serenity. You're probably asking why we would open up with that wonderful one-liner from the castle. Well, it's because the man who puts the polish on a horse by the name of How's the Serenity is joining us on Sporting Goss, talking about the Mayor of Subiaco, the master trainer himself, Simon A. Miller. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You're a castle fan? Telling me, dreaming. (laughs) 
straight to the pool room. Oh, we could rattle them all off. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how many times you watch that show, you still laugh. Exactly. And so where, where did How's the Serenity uh, get its name? Obviously, the dam is Sweet Serenity, so I suppose it's a pretty uh, a yeah. Captain Obvious one. No, from the castle. Oh, is that right? How's the Serenity? So much Serenity. Clever work. Yep. Definitely straight from the castle. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Hey, Holly Watson's riding that in race one. Now, she's your girl, and she was absolutely sensational for us the day she came on our show. She didn't ride a winner. It was the worst, <laughs> it was the worst day in the saddle. Uh, she must have been exhausted by the time she finished with us. But um, she's a young talent, and she's on House of Serenity in a very small field, just a field of five now in race one today at Belmont. We're talking to Simon Miller. Uh, she's a ripper, Tim, so it's just a great level of this game. She gets her first radio interview. She's off to the races. Odds on pop, couple of shorties. They all go under. <laughs> and that was yours, so, uh, too. That was yours in, the, in, the, in one of the yeah, early races, wasn't it? Missed yeah, the start. They yeah, they were. Yeah. I, so she had a blackout and I had a blackout. <laughs> but, but see, I, I'm, I'm used to it. She's not. Yeah, so, so what do you do in that situation? So she goes around odds on, she loves the horse, she's talking it up, she's going to the races confident yeah. with a couple of wins. How do you as her master, and we're talking to Simon Miller, whose apprentice is Holly Watson here on Sporting Goss, how do you talk to her or do, does she seek counsel from the, the master of apprentices or does she go straight to you, the trainer, and how do you talk her through nah. it? I look, I look after her, so she's, uh, I help her through it. and um, It's like... It's, I love having apprentices, Tim. They, they're a challenge, and mm. and it's um, a half. It's like the AFL players nowadays. You got to have the ability, but then you got to have the mental capacity or the strength to deal with adversity and and uh, social media. And you know, there's so many elements now that go into being becoming a an elite sports person. And I love that aspect where a she's got to have the skill, but then you got to be able to nurture and protect her, and then unleash her and um, when the timing's right as well. So you just in that scenario, the first one missed the kick and stepped slow and she got in an awkward position. So I just said to her, uh, reset, go again. You know, that's you've got to put that behind you. It, things didn't pan out, but now, you, you know, the owners of the next horse aren't really interested in what happened in race one. They want, they want your attention for this runner. So you've got to... And that's the key to be able to reset, go again and... Uh, it's a hard thing to do, but mm. if you can get your head into it, um, it's you know you'll be better for it. And um, so even like today, riding in town, um, that's her first go. I'm letting yeah. her unleash now. I, I've protected her from town just because oh, she's a talent, and you, I, don't know, I know she'll make it. But apprentices go to town too early, and then it's not their fault, but they'll make heaps of mistakes. And they get shot down, mm. and it's like, mm. well, hang on, they're, they're kids that probably shouldn't be there right now. So I'm a bit of a traditionalist where I go old school and make them earn their stripes at the bush mm. before they go to town. And probably one of the prime examples here in WA was Willie Pike. He, mm. he did exactly the same thing. You know, he rode rode for over twelve months in the bush before he even come to town. So yeah, Jack Cockle was a very hard man. Jack Cockle, very hard taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> he was, but, and then you see how where Pike's ended up, you know. Yeah. And I just you, you let them let them make all the mistakes at the provincials and the country tracks where not many people would see him, as opposed to metropolitan. And 
and um, now she's honed in on all the skills, and, and she'll still get it wrong on race day because she's human and she claims three, but she'll get it more often. She'll get it right than wrong, so um, she should be able to hit the ground running, and hopefully with uh, how's the surrounding in the first, we can do that for her. Very much so, and the last time this horse won a race, William Pike was on it, and Peter Nucky's ridden it the last four times, but what you do get is a soft track, and it just uh, and we've got this rain currently in Perth, uh, although it is a, a wet track, Belmont Park, you'd, uh, you'd appreciate a little bit of rain and a little bit of give uh, for how's the serenity? Yeah, she's pretty professional, Tim. She can handle any any conditions. I'm sure a little rain with the weight relief uh, won't be a disadvantage. So, and it's a small field, so she should be able to just um, lob in a perfect position, pop off heels on straightening, and hopefully pick them up and put them down. And um, she's coming out of really strong form races, mm-hmm. and the form around it's held up, which is probably why she's had such a short, a short quote. Well, you've got one going around in race three. It's a filly. It's called, uh, is it Varanio? Yep, sure is. Well, Varanio. Ha- yeah, how do we get that name? Give us, a, so, give us a heads up on that. So it's pretty much, um, it, it, it means like I know, so I'm lying to you and you know that I'm lying <laughs> and I know that you know that I know you're lying. So basically when you watch the uh, president, the uh, presidency run or the election last year, there was a lot of Varanio there. <laughs> So that's how, that's how it came about. That is bizarre. That is, uh, that is left field. Yeah. Okay. Will this yeah. horse be telling the truth today? Uh, it's racing two between us and the first starter, Rebecca Nance, and Paddy Carberry's elected to ride. Mm-hmm. So he got off mind to ride that. So that's always okay. a good indication. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the extra 200 metres will be up our alley. We were really green the other day. And we coming out of a, uh, a really strong form reference where horses that we beat home have come out and won Chatbay races since. So the form's held up really good. That's probably why we're short in the market. Um, the danger is the first starter, but uh, it is hard to win at your very first start. Mm. I'm hoping that uh, we can use that to our advantage. So she's a great chance. Yes. Uh, having a look at that horse and the one you're talking about, the one that he's on is called My Boy Eddie, who's he's ridden at all three trials for Beck Nan. When a jockey does that to you, Simon Miller, our guest leading trainer, when a, when a jockey, and he's a seasoned campaigner and you get on well with Paddy, but when he decides, he says, mate, I can't ride you, I can't ride Vranio, I'm going to go with My Boy Eddie. But- do you take it personally? Good question. Uh, years ago, yes. <laughs> yep, no doubt. And I'd get angry and 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 in fact, you, as you get uh, longer in the tooth, you get a bit wiser yep. and a bit smarter. And it's like, well, it's not the end of the world. If he doesn't want to ride it, I can get someone else. But yes, I used to. I used to towards around of the cotton. So but now I've mellowed a lot. All righty. And then, so so straight after that, he jumps on a horse called Queen Don't of Soul. Don't worry, Tim. If I beat him, I'll let him know. Oh, no doubt. And you'll, you'll let him know when you're, you're legging him up on Queen of Soul in the following race. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did, go to, he did go to Northern with, and you declared it on this very show. You said it is an absolute good thing. I think they let everyone on at about even money that day. They say the official yep. start price was $1.85, but the money was on at one easy. But it has since gone to town and, and ran last nine of nine. Can you uh, put, a, put a stamp on that one and let us know what happened then? didn't handle the wet track the other day like it was really wet um, and she wasn't a fan of it so I'm hoping the rain can stay away mm-hmm. for now uh, it won't, she won't endure the track she received last time so that's a positive but uh, she didn't appreciate it at the same time so if this rain can hold off till after her race that'd be great she's over the odds uh, 
and you've got to play her each way because she'll bounce back, but we just don't need any more rain. All right, and then you've got Noble Reflection, who is just consistent. It's about the place. So, you know, it's, I think it's had about 14, 15 career starts, been in the money for a, more than half of those. Doesn't win uh, out of turn, mind you. What's its chances today? We're talking about Noble Reflection going around in race five. Spot on. He just lacks that knockout punch to mm. um, get the job done. But he peppers away. Uh, He's one where at the end of this campaign we'll move him on and and someone up north or down south will will take him and he'll be a great acquisition of their stable. But I'm just hoping with the claim today and John Barrier 1 that we can get a little smother and then um, sprint with a low weight. and We'll we'll be thereabouts, um, but I can't label him as a good thing. You've got First Law going around. Now, this is one that Holly mentioned in her conversation with us, I think, going up to uh, Northern that day. Ran fifth of nine, wasn't beaten all that far. Again, comes back to town, has got no form on a soft track. What's your thoughts here with First Law going around in race six? The track won't worry him. He's just got the only query, he's just a little quirky. And if he finds the front, he switches off. And I just asked Holly the other day, just to make sure you can get cover, will he... Lo and behold, he flies the guts when they open like he's got a false start and he's, he's three in front of the field and probably should have crossed to the fence. But because I told her to get cover and that he switches off if he finds the front, she grabbed hold of him and let a few duck up the inside and then we couldn't get cover. So nothing went to fruition. He still whacked away. Um, where does he get to today? There's a lot of speed in that race, so hopefully they can run it along and we can um, get a little bit of cover somewhere and he'll bounce back. But he's just, he's just got a few little quirks. What's your best for today for the punters listening to Sporting Goss right now? I like, uh, look, she's short. Uh, how's a Serenity? I don't like sort of showing off and declaring a dollar seventy jobs. But uh, her and Varenio. Varenio is a great price. Like, she's, a, she's a good filly. I mean, the risky the first starter, but I'd, I'd play an all-up those two. Um, they're, they're the ones. They're, they're the best. But look, we've got great chances all day, but mm-hmm. they're probably the best too. All right, and the Hyperion Stakes. I see you've got Valor Road going around and also uh, Dance Music in the feature there on Saturday. How have those horses put up after their last run? I thought Valor Road was huge. Valor Road was a uh, massive team and, and out to a mile now, which I never thought uh, he'd... It would be sort of his forte. So I'm curious to see how he goes because if he can run a mile out, then he'll be a railway horse. He's always competing in winter bottoms. But as he's a little older now, he might be transitioning. So he, you'd have to say if he runs up to his last run, he'll be right there. And, and dance music just got into the slow lane up the straight and she was she was great. She, You know that she gets a mile. So as... Um, as you know, when she won the Northern Cup over mm-hmm. 1,600. Yeah, I do know. Uh, so she, she, she's a great chance as well. That winner, the Melva um, King, yep. when he's on song, he, he can produce runs like that. And he blew us away the other day. And, and if he turns up like that again, then he's the one we've got to beat. But I've got two two good chances. One will be forward, one will be midfield. So hopefully um, we can execute. I've seen the nominations and the scratchings for Saturday have been decimated. Scratching going to be very small fields going around Saturday, let me tell you. But you've got Pants Down nominated. He's a ripper, isn't he? He's, oh, yeah. He's a fence. I, yeah. Think, I think he's won his last four this time in. Mm. So 
Um, he, he's flying. He had a little freshen up from his last win and he got a good Tuesday. So hopefully uh, he can... It, it's a suitable race for him. He, he's probably the, the best of ours. Um, I don't know what price he'll go up, but he's uh, he's flying. He's four on the bounce. So if he can win Saturday at five in a row. The owners won't want me there. And the last time I saw Pans Down go down, he got beaten as an odds on favourite by twenty to one pop. <laughs> ignore them. Ignore them. I thought I thought they were going to take the horse home without you. <laughs> I, I, I was surprised I left the racetrack. I, I had favourites going under everywhere. I thought there's going to be a sniper on me before yeah. I leave. We left with the mate. We left with the big one. I think. I left, didn't we leave with the cup? Yeah, I know. Didn't I hold the cup? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, you, you left with the cup. <laughs> no, you're not going to get it back either. <laughs> hey, good on you, mate. So, are, are you a wet track performer? Will you go to the races today? Will you watch it from uh, Peppermint Grove? <laughs> I'll definitely be there uh, to support Holly. Ah, uh, uh, nice man. First Thank ride you. in town. I'll do the right thing and uh, hopefully it would be a proud moment if we can win the first. Yeah, uh, well. Not from a punt. Yeah. From a punting point of view, but just from, from her career point of view. We'll be cheering, mate. We'll be cheering very much. I appreciate your time. Always good to have you on. Thanks, Tim. Oh, thank you, Simon. There he is. <laughs> this, this Simon Miller, he's called me Tim. Can you believe he's called me Tim? He used to call me Goss in the prime when, he, when I was just the battler, but now I've made it. He's called me Tim. Anyway, good stuff. There he is. Simon Miller, the coach of uh, no one. He's the coach of Holly Watson. He's the trainer of a number of runners going around today at Belmont. Thanks for joining us. See you, Goss. Hey! This is the Sporting Goss. A couple of minutes away from the top of the hour. Don't forget, 5 o'clock, Peter Vlahos with Drive. Denver Nuggets superstar Nikola Jokic has claimed the NBA Most Valuable Player Award, the MVP. Jokic is the first Nuggets player to ever claim the award and becomes the lowest ever NBA draft pick, number 41, to win it. The Serbian joins an elite group of five non-Americans to claim the prestigious gong, having started his career in his native country before being selected in the 2014 draft. Good news there. Coast to Coast podcast, Oscar Allen had this to say about his concussion and his battles after missing last week. Um, I don't recall the game still very clearly. So from being told after the... You were the, awesome, mate. After the case, yeah. I was, <laughs> the I'm second like, half was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so I, I had my head knock and then I came to the bench and um, I actually passed the concussion test. They asked you a couple baseline questions and depending how you respond to them, you then get put into the full protocol. I answered them correctly and then came straight back out in the field, played out the rest of the quarter. And I think I actually had three or four touches and I've no recollection of any of them. And the only thing I can remember from basically the whole game is me thinking to myself, oh, I'm in trouble here, as the lights were kind of going fuzzy on me with a couple of minutes to go in the quarter. And I reckon if you look at the behind-the-goals footage, I was probably a bit wobbly and doing some strange things. And there's actually one situation where Eston kicked a goal with 30 seconds left in the quarter and watching the vision with one of the coaches, all the backs are in talking, and I'm actually outside the field of play just staring at the crowd. So all, oh, the, yeah. all the boys knew I wasn't good. There it is there, Oscar Allen on Coast to Coast. You can hear that by going to their podcast. Thanks for your company. Thanks for all your engagement. Won the quiz. No one won the quiz. No one won the quiz. Uh, some Well, people won the quiz. It was Mitch White. That's who was the player we're looking for. No prize. No prize. Boo, boo, boo. News is next. Don't forget Gillian Goss on Friday morning. Thanks, Chris. Thanks to Alex. And thank you for listening to our show. This has been Sporting Goss. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.